I don't know what's real. I don't know what's not real. Limited Capacity is a collection of six darkly amusing stories about the mysterious ways we interact with the internet and with each other. There's something going on with him. It's like an act. I don't trust him. What? You're staring at me like I should say something, but I don't really know what to do here. That's the whole name of the game. Don't talk about how the town isn't real. Do you understand? Limited Capacity. Available now on CBC Listen or wherever you get your podcasts. This is a CBC Podcast. Welcome to Sick Boy, a podcast where we talk about what it's like to be sick. This week's guest is Alex. He has spinal muscular atrophy type 2. Let's talk about it. This is, I'm, I'm very excited. I'm very excited for this conversation. Alex uh, is uh, all the way over in BC, uh, a guest that we've actually had on the show before. And if you were one of the lucky few uh, that attended one of our two back-to-back live shows in Vancouver a number of years back, you would have been present for the conversation that we have with Alex, which to this day, I do feel was one of my favorite conversations we ever had on the show. You know what? Um, that, that is like, that. that is... If it had to happen, it's the best case scenario because we've had a handful of episodes over the years that we have lost the episode files. And when we would just record that with somebody just like we're doing here over Zoom or in person in a living room, that's lost to everybody except for the three of us. Yeah. When we do it in a live show, at least at least someone whatever, saw like 150 it. people <laughs> yeah. were there. So they know I'm not fucking lying. Okay, so this did happen, and and <laughs> Alex, it, it was a fever dream. It wasn't real. It was a mass hallucination. Not yeah, a real thing. yeah. So Alex uh, joined us for that conversation. It was amazing. But uh, you know, the hard thing about doing a podcast with just three people, um, where especially back then, where we like we're making no money, um, and everything was like guerrilla style recording. Um, <laughs> What happened was um, either we forgot to hit record because our our setup was so far off the stage (laughs) or we hit record and it just crashed in the middle of the record. So we never had any audio files. You know, what? one of my favorite things about that live show was, was the fact that we actually took somebody who had come to the show and made them do social media. That's right. That's right. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Gave him a free ticket. Gave him a free ticket. I want to say her name was Hannah. Yeah, I think it was. That's right. So shout out to Hannah. Um, Free ticket. In kind. In kind services. Now, fast forward. Fast forward a number of years later. um, I was. We were. We were talking about going out west. You know, we're. By the time this comes out, we've been out there. We did our live shows. Thanks for coming out. And I was thinking about Alex and I was like, man, I I would love to get him back on because that conversation was so great. And there's so much time that has passed since we spoke to him that it would feel brand new. Like, you know, it's, it would feel like we, we were just having the conversation for the first time. Now I reached out, Alex, you graciously said yes, which I'm so excited for. Alex, without further ado, welcome to Sick Boy again. Please take a moment, introduce yourself to our listeners and uh, give us a little bit of insight into the reasons why you're on the show today, Sick Boy. What is it we're going to be talking about? Sure. Well, yeah, thanks for, for having me back on. Um, I'm real excited to be here. It's going to be real terrible. And I think the only thing we can do is go down because you've overhyped this too much. Um, yeah, but yeah, my name's, my name's Alex. Uh, I use 
uh, him pronouns. So I live over in BC and I use a power wheelchair for mobility. Uh, I have been using a power wheelchair since I think like two and a half. Uh, I was diagnosed with something called spinal muscular atrophy type two. Um, and uh, yeah, I work as a game designer and an accessibility consultant. So I'm just a giant nerd who <laughs> has to make video games and make shit better. I don't know. Love, <laughs> love talking to nerds. Yeah. Fucking love it. Alex, do you, what, what, do, like, I have a five, I have a five month old daughter and yeah. everything that is petite is cute. And I'm <laughs> trying to imagine the chair that you would have used <laughs> yeah. at two years old. Yeah. And I'm like, is would that was that not the cutest power chair ever known to humanity? Yeah. No, I, I think it was probably slightly terrifying for my parents because you're giving like heavy machinery to a toddler, basically. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right? like, I didn't they I if I remember right, like they they had me test them and they were like, okay, like this is gonna take some time, blah, blah, blah. And I just took right to it. Um, so it was <laughs> it was never really a problem, but my my parents love telling this story where they're like, All right, time to come inside or whatever. And I just looked at them and said, No, and just drove away from them. <laughs> and I went, Oh, we've unleashed a monster. Oh god. When I was three, I drove a tricycle off uh off of like a four stair staircase. That explains I, so much. And I burst my lip open so wide. And, um, it had no, it had no power. Um, it, it, it was, yeah. it was, it was just, it was just lag powered and had no batteries or motor capabilities. So I feel like if I had had that in my, in my hands at two years old, I would have been, I don't know if I'd be here today. <laughs> That's really yeah. what I'm trying to say. You, you definitely learned some interesting stuff having a power chair around. This was a bit later, but I remember like pulling my brother in like a little red wagon behind my chair. <laughs> and we were sort of on a slight incline. And I just turned and I didn't understand the concept of jackknifing because I was a child. <laughs> so I jackknifed a little red wagon, fell over in my chair and started, well, not rolling, but sliding down the hill. Right. <laughs> so it was like, yeah, you, you learn some stuff. No, <laughs> I've, I've tipped a few chairs in my lifetime. Less, <laughs> less of that now, but yeah. Alex, I'm wondering if, um, if using, so like I'm imagining that like, uh, becoming familiar with the controls of a power chair is probably shares some similarities with playing video games. Mm -hmm. Like you're using a controller to like control this, this other, um, thing. So it, yeah. like, do you think that, do you think that learning con the controls for your power chairs has translated at all over to playing video games? Like probably a bit. I'm a shit gamer. I try so hard. I'm such a try hard and I'm terrible uh, at pretty much everything. But uh, like, yeah, I definitely when I was younger, I was, you know, definitely had some some pretty good coordination and reflexes, I think, partly from from, you know, using a chair my whole life and that type of thing. So, yeah, I'm sure there's I'm sure there's some overlap there. Um, but yeah, it's been it's been, you know, I don't know, just figuring shit out as we go. Yeah, uh -huh. uh, Alex. Uh, just just to kind of give our listeners a little bit of um, uh, a, a little bit of an education on uh, spinal muscular atrophy, uh, you had mentioned that you have SMA type two, um, which means leads me to believe that there is more than one type. Um, 
what uh, can you give us a rundown on what is spinal muscular atrophy and uh, what are what are the different types? How does it differ from from one person to the next? Yeah, for sure. I am possibly the worst person you could have had try and explain this. Uh, I am so undereducated on my own disability. It's kind of weird. Um, so I'll give you the idiot's version of this uh, from my own brain. You're in good um, company. <laughs> yeah, awesome. So type one is like infantile. So I believe you get it fairly young. Um, and it's, I don't know, uh, earlier onset and you have slightly more severe symptoms earlier. Um, type two is what I have, which is like adolescent, which is still fairly young. But um, yeah, you just sort of have a, a longer like curve of the decline of your, your muscle wasting mm. Um, and then type three is uh, even later onset where it comes up sort of um, as a young child or like a, a teenager, I believe. Again, don't quote me on any of this. Please talk to a real human who isn't an idiot. That was, um, that was, uh, that was pretty digestible. Though. It was. I feel like yeah. we had a pretty good overview. And what does, it, what does spinal muscular atrophy look like? Like what's, what's physiologically what's happening in the body? What's happening to you? Yeah, for sure. So as I grow older, my muscles basically get weaker. It's like the really short version of it. Um, and that's all throughout my body. So I have full sensation. So it's not one of those things where uh, when I was growing up, you would get a lot of like uh, Timmy from South Park and Joe from Family Guy being the only two mm. uh, descriptions of what disabled and in wheelchair could look like, mm -hmm. uh, which has always been very irksome for me. No doubt. Uh, did yes. you have like, did you have kids like just stabbing you with pencils just to like see if there was no reaction? Uh, not stabbing, but yeah, you get, you get lots of questions and stuff. So like literally to this day, right, where I, I try and make it a, a good point to not have to be around children uh, because I'm a horrible garbage monster. Uh, but I've, I've started taking up chess classes and it is full of children yeah. So now I get to I get to relive all the childhood questions where I'm like, it's been so long since I've had to try and explain this in a digestible way. I was <laughs> like, oh, yeah, OK, so this does this. And like, yes, I can feel my legs. And no, this doesn't work. No, I can't do that. Right. Mm. It's been it's been fun sort of reliving that Man. childhood trauma. Are, are you on uh, are you on are you using chess.com? Yeah. So I, I do chess.com. Uh, and yeah, I, I started I started doing like actual chess classes where there's this this lady who's like a 2100 WIM oh, wow. and she's cracked under her mind, right? And I just show up and go, please impart crumbs of wisdom that I can try cool. and it's so complicated. Moves. It's so complicated. Can, uh, after the recording, remind me uh, and let's swap uh, usernames. I'd love to play you on, yeah. on chess.com. That'd be really fun. What do, you, what do you rate it? Uh, right now I think I'm, uh, I'm like 1080. I like hover oh. between like 1080 yeah. and like 1200. Yeah. Nice. We're, we're in the same range. I'm not oh, like, just cracked a thousand. Yeah. All right. So. Sweet. Sweet. That'd be really fun. Um, <laughs> nerds. Trust yeah. nerds. <laughs> Fuck yeah. <laughs> Fuck yeah, it's, it's funny. That Actually, wait, hold on, hold on. Did you hear about the, the recent scandal? It's fucking insane. Yes, oh, yeah. I have, I have heard. With Hans, yeah. Oh my God, the, an, the 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 uh, like the 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 anal beads sort of theory is <laughs> is I love it. I really, really, really hope that's true. What a great little nugget for our listeners to just to just go. 
Wait, what? Chess anal beads? What the fuck are these? Well, guys I was gonna about? say you might as well explain at this point. Like, can you give the our listeners? Like sure, a real quick. Um, uh, one of the, uh, I mean, the best chess player in the entire world um, was recently playing in a tournament in St. Louis. Uh, I think the 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 cash prize for the winner was like you know somewhere somewhere close to like uh, a half. I think yeah, three hundred fifty thousand dollars. So you know uh, a, a very reasonable amount of money and uh, he was playing a young man who um who is obviously a very great chess player but nowhere near the realm of where um you know the best player in the world is and he uh this young guy beat the best chess player in the world um and this uh this this gentleman the 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 highest rated player in the world quit the tournament afterwards and and uh, not not because he was a sore loser um perhaps maybe there was some of that in there however he quit and he he released a tweet uh, so cryptic some real cryptic shit yeah. some yeah a cryptic tweet that basically sort of accused this young man of cheating and and this was like a massive scandal um and so uh, uh it, it also resulted in chess.com banning this young man for life from from and for folks that don't know like chess.com is where every chess player plays like it is it's a massive um uh um uh, training zone, uh, training zone, <laughs> but, but like tournament dojo. zone. Yeah, it's, it's the yeah, it's the chess dojo for all <laughs> chess players. Um, and so, and and which was a big deal. This this kid got kicked off of it, and now there's theories going around of, as to what actually was happening. And one of the theories that have come out is that it is possible that this young man had some sort of anal bead device shoved up his ass during play, <laughs> and it would, and somebody else was on the other end vibrating almost like um uh um like morse code morse code to him to to which would be the next like best move what's the thing called like the remote thing that you can like a wee vibe yeah like, right. <laughs> it was like yeah. they were like hey let's take this let's take this fuck toy for uh for couples that are uh doing long distance and i'll shove it up my ass and then you vibrate me every time you know where i should move my next pawn and uh <laughs> that's kind of sick i mean <laughs> hey if if three hundred fifty thousand dollars is on the line I wouldn't uh, rule it out. It but, was very but, possible. But uh, since this um, this scandal broke, the the kid offered to play naked. That's right. He was yeah, like, "I'll play naked," really, which is really which funny. Which and, you and still no, wouldn't see, see that. the thing up his ass. Yeah, you, yeah, know what, yeah. you know what's annoying is is I feel like like the what's that? Um, <laughs> I love the, that like, we're going the down best this explanation. <laughs> what's the thing? The Occam's the, razor. Uh, I don't know what it, what it's called, but like inference the, to the inference best. to the best explanation. Yeah. Like the like the most obvious answer is probably the right answer, yeah. and the most yeah. obvious one to me is this kid probably just beat him. That, I mean, that, and like this is that's, this that's, is me. I don't know. I, I, I highly doubt take, it. Alex? I highly doubt it. It's, I don't know. I'm not nearly educated enough. I've you know I've just seen the same stuff online where he you know has had people call him out for like oh he doesn't in his post match interviews he's like not understanding the preparation or whatever, right? So, like, you know, I, I think this isn't, I don't know, it's all, it's all speculation, right? Yeah, like, it's fun. Th this also I isn't the first time that he was accused of cheating, um, which is which is yeah. why he got banned from chess.com. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, I, I don't know. I, I wanted to ask about, um, to come back to what we were talking about, Alex. It's a hard right, transition. what were we talking about again? Yeah, hard transition. We're not doing a chess podcast? What? <laughs> I'll, uh, I'll, uh, I'll, uh, but, well, I want, what I wanted to come back to is you mentioned that, like, since going, the reason why you brought up chess is because you were talking about um, like your, yeah. like children kids. bullying me, right? Yeah, yeah. Awesome. and so, yeah. well, but it's interesting because I just posted a TikTok for a Sick Boy yesterday um, about the Otcraft community 
um, which is an autism friendly Minecraft server. Yeah, and, love that. That's so and awesome. I, yeah, I posted this like this video where we were talking about it and, and went into this explanation of what it was. And it's interesting to go to TikTok and look at the comments that we were getting on that video because yeah. um, there's like a handful of like Minecraft kids who saw the video and they're like, great, like I'm going to go fucking take down this server mm-hmm. now and troll them and shit because that's like what kids say. Like kids, they're, they're, they're not um, they're like very insensitive to like, like other people's feelings at that age. Especially online. And, yeah. And yeah. especially they're online. They're just totally unequipped. And so I'm curious to like, to like if, if, if you are comfortable with it, can we like dig into to more of like what your childhood was like, and I'm, I'm assuming that based on that comment of like, you know, going to this um, play chess and then sort of having that experience with kids again, asking these weird questions, I'm assuming that you're implying that that you had that experience when you were younger too? Yeah, a little bit. Honestly, it wasn't that bad. Like, I don't remember it ever being like overtly problematic ever. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I was a real smart ass and super insecure about uh, the fact that I had to be smarter than everyone else or at least talk a bigger game than everyone else because I wasn't able to do other things. So mm. I feel like almost I was kind of a prick to a lot of people <laughs> just because I had to, like, I don't know, have, like, this this armor of, of uh, you know, being intellectually fucking cracked. Mm. I just, I wasn't. It was, yeah. yeah. I think that's a really interesting self-aware perspective. Yeah, and I think that's a pretty nat. I think that's probably a pretty natural natural response. And like I would, and when you said that, my initial, my the thought that initially came up in my head was, oh, wouldn't it be nice if you didn't have to feel that way? But then going yeah. back, going back to what you said about the, the these kids leaving these comments on that on that post, it's like the, these like we're not equipped as kids. We're we're not. Yeah. Like, we 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 just can't. You know, it would be great if we lived in a world where kids didn't, you know, ask stupid questions or make fun of people when, you know, they know that they should when when they shouldn't. But like we just that's just I don't think that's ever a world we're going to live in. So I think that's a pretty appropriate response uh, uh, of you. Sometimes I think it comes from just a place of wanting to know or understand. Right. Where it's like Mm -hmm. I I genuinely there there are people who are well-meaning and just don't know and just know asking the fucking grocery store or whatever, right? Mm, um, yeah. and, I, and we still I do that to, as adults. Yeah, exactly, right? And I, I tend to, I don't know, I, I know people in the civil community, they get, get irritated about sort of those, and they, they don't owe it to anyone to explain it, but I, I, I don't know, I always feel like, you know, wanting, wanting to understand or wanting to know more is something that should be, like, fostered and encouraged and stuff. Mm-hmm. Like, curiosity, I think, is, is a wonderful mm-hmm. thing. And, you know, if the, the little kid in the grocery store is like, hey, what's wrong with you? It's like, hey, you probably could have worded that better. But, like, <laughs> here's the deal. Let's talk. Try and explain genetics in two minutes, right? Like, um, yeah, I don't know. Like, maybe that's that's not the best approach. But that's that's what I tend to try and do is just sort of, you know, if if someone's curious and, and you know, asking questions, I do my best mm-hmm. to try and explain yeah. it genuinely. Yeah. 
And because the other the other answer to it is why are you in a wheelchair and you say, Well, I had a freak accident masturbating and fell down the stairs. I have this thing where I need to be at the top of a staircase right at, yeah. cli- at climax. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, exactly. Oh man, what this a teachable is, moment. This is a hilarious transition <laughs> to my next question, which is about your parents. What was your what like, what was your experience? Like what I guess I, this is like I guess this is this would obviously be a better question if your parents were present, but like, what was the, uh, what was your perception about like how your parents, ha- I mean, especially as like, when you were really young, yeah. sort of like handled your disability. And like, I'm, I'm thinking of when you said that you were falling out of your chair when you were <laughs> yeah. really young and I'm going like, Oh my God, like what, like what the anxiety must've been like for a parent having a, having a kid who's in a wheelchair and falling out of that wheelchair and being concerned. Like what was that experience like? Do you think? Yeah, I think it was really tough for them. Um, my dad uh, is military. He was in the Navy for 20 years. So he'd go on deployment for like eight months at a time. And yeah. my mom would, would care for me and my brother when we were both pretty young. Um, and I, I can't imagine that was that was easy for her. And I think she she did a, a really admirable job figuring that shit out on her own for parts of it. Um, yeah, I don't know. There's stories of like, I had a thing where uh, we were coming back from a, a fucking old spaghetti factory or something. and uh, <laughs> Is I that a restaurant? Like, yeah, old spaghetti factory, yeah. Yeah, that's <laughs> right. pe- that's top culture, man. Don't fucking <laughs> <laughs> the old spaghetti factory. <laughs> they will come for you. Uh, I, I believe it. <laughs> all right. So uh, there was like this, this beautiful, I don't know, like house or whatever I wanted to take a look at. And I tried to to like push this gate and there was a, a a lip like a foot drop directly off of it and i literally like tipped my chair forward directly on my head and the only thing that kept me from just absolutely snapping my neck was my headrest of my wheelchair was a little bit taller than i was and took mm. the whole impact uh and Whoa. my parents did Ooh. sort of the, the you know the the flip the car when the baby you know energy happens yeah, yeah. Uh, and they pulled me back up and I was totally fine, but there I was like, "Damn, yeah, maybe we, maybe this giant machine that you have around for for accessibility probably yeah. <laughs> like that." I mean, like I again, like I'm 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 thinking about my experience as like a very new parent and going like, "Oh my mm-hmm. god, there's so much fucking, there's so many things out there." Like I'm Ooh. and I'm and I'm probably at the very like the very far end of, of being cons- like, I, I, I'm like, I'm the, Oh, she'll be fine. That's my mentality. And in yeah. even, and even being in that space, I'm, I'm in this like very concerned sort of state. And then if you just like, you know, layered on any health concern on top of that, you know, as a parent, I can, I can see that being very, I mean, especially, especially, you know, having, having a parent that's gone away, that's gone away a lot of times. I I know yeah. a friend of mine who's uh, who's in the Navy and and um, and like how how challenging that can be from the from the perspective of the person that is um, taking care at home and also like kind of the heartbreak that goes along with being away. Yeah, you know, like that's, yeah, that's, it was that's it was lot. definitely tough at times. I think they both um, did the best they could under the circumstances, mm. right? Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. So it's yeah, it's I I honestly think my childhood was was pretty chill. Um, yeah, I don't have any like, yeah, there was this kid and he would just relentlessly bully me. Like I never had any of that. Mm-hmm. Um, I think everyone was always pretty 
inclusive and and chill about stuff i don't i don't ever remember anyone being like overtly shitty about you know me being disabled or whatever um just to to absolutely uh drag the conversation one direction one of the things i do remember though is like you know my my first love was hockey right like all i wanted to do was play hockey with my friends um, but I wasn't necessarily able to do that, right? I wasn't able to to play hockey, but uh, you know that that made me feel left out and excluded at times. But what I was able to do was play NHL 2003 for the original Xbox. Fuck yeah, Hell yeah, yeah. So dude! I would play game after game after game with my friends, um, and that always stuck with me. That sort of games leveled the playing field, and games mm. were this space that was inclusive for for me so that's that's always been a little place in my heart of that through games uh i felt included and through games i could sort of have this empowering experience so yeah i think that's like i I think that's especially important for people people and my 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 kyla my wife holds this holds this prejudice against video games that they are like that they're like killing people and they're you know they're they're melting kids minds and stuff And I always go, and I always go back to things, not necessarily like that, because that's obviously not my experience, but but my experience in in having this like in this like shared space with like like someone like Brian, where we don't, where we we both in sports, but we're in different sports, mm-hmm. and coming together and playing video games is a place where we could like compete together, mm-hmm. where we don't, where we're not able to compete otherwise, which mm-hmm. like fosters a friendship, yeah, and like. But the, I mean, develop skills and stuff, and like video games. Just for the people that think that video games are stupid. I mean, the the other the other point to that is like something something recent that I think a lot of people can like c- kind of latch onto right now is f- for us, the three of us, and and a number of other people in our circle. Video games were the only way for almost two years where we could socially get together. Yeah, yeah. it was yeah, the yeah. only way that we could. Uh, spend quality time together as friends, and and it really didn't feel like we were apart. It it, it yeah. felt like we, you know we were there together doing that thing together, and it was yeah. it was really. I mean, that was one of the most important things for me during the uh, during lockdown totally. was having that that outlet. And and not to beat a dead horse on that, but but the interesting thing about like the um, beat it, Brian, um, beat uh, it. do it anyway. This horse <laughs> baseball bat to the head. Here we go. <laughs> yeah, the like the and and not to make this even more about like gender identity in video games, but like mm-hmm. one of the things around for for men is that it's really difficult. You're not going to get a group of men getting together on a zoom call just to catch up or like, Oh my God. (laughs) And so like, it's funny because oftentimes when we play video games, we're just talking to one another about like what's happening in our, and maybe when we're like trying to clutch up a game of Warzone or something, it Mm. gets a little bit focused on what's, what's happening, but there's oftentimes parts between games or, or Mm -hmm. even during games where we're just having conversations. I mean, for me, video games, were so important in my um, childhood before there was even this, this online gaming aspect where I learned about problem solving and reading comprehension. And like, I played a lot of role-playing games and, mm. and so like, you know, it's quest based and you're, you're learning about all of these other things. And, and so like, I find it really um, surprising when there are people who are, who are, who have this like sort of preconceived notion that video games are are bad for you because i, I learned so much from it yeah i think it's fair sometimes where you know the ones that get marketed a lot are the ones with guns and explosions 
Yeah, that's right. True. So it's it's sort of like if you look at cinema and all you saw was Marvel movies, right? <laughs> and you're mm. like, well, that's all that exists, right? <laughs> yeah. Like, let's just toss this medium in the garbage because this is all it is, right? So, yeah. you know, I think I think games are a medium like any other where there's a breadth of experiences within that space, and some of them can be really impactful, and some of them are popcorn garbage food, and sometimes mm. popcorn garbage food is exactly what you need. Mm-hmm. And so that's I yeah I really I really love the the medium and and what it's able to to do. I think it has the the power to have um, almost like foster empathy, mm-hmm. where which can sound weird when you think about a lot of games or you know experience through the muzzle of a gun, <laughs> which is wild. Mm-hmm. Um, but the idea of just like you can quite literally in a game walk in someone else's shoes, pun intended. I use a wheelchair, uh, laugh track, please. <laughs> um, um, but yeah, you, you quite literally are able to, to experience, you know, looking directly through the live, uh, life of someone else. Right. Mm. So I think, mm-hmm. yeah. I, just, I'm curious to that, mm. to that point, Alex, like, um, I think, probably even more so today than like when we spoke a few years ago, um, like, like Jeremy and I both have, uh, Oculus quests and, and Uh like VR is becoming more and more popular and accessible. And one of the Mm. things I've heard a lot around this, the, the, um, the increased popularity in virtual reality is that, um, for people with, who live with disabilities and, and, um, particularly mobility, mobility challenges, VR is a sort of opportunity for them to immerse themselves in this world where those things don't necessarily have to um, have the same sort of impacts uh, that they do in the virtual world. And I'm curious what your perspective is on that and if you if you dabble in virtual reality at all. Yeah, I, I haven't spent um, much time in VR stuff. I have conflicted feelings about this. Because I feel like sometimes it's almost like a cop out where they're like, oh, you'll be, you know, all the barriers will go away in VR and you mm-hmm. still won't be allowed into the Starbucks because there's a lip and a line and, you know, all this shit. It's like, well, you know what we could do is make the built environment accessible and then this wouldn't be a fucking problem, would it? <laughs> yeah. um, so I feel like I feel like sometimes it's, it's used as a little bit of a, a scapegoat for fixing some of the shit that actually needs to be worked on totally um it is a it is absolutely a hundred percent amazing technology that has some really you know like i would love to see how that works with with therapy or with with Mm. trauma where you know putting putting someone in a virtual space where they're able to um feel more relaxed and calm and grounded and see what that can do i'm sure there's i'm just talking out of my ass i'm sure this is real mm-hmm. things that are going on but yeah um yeah i i think it's amazing technology i just feel like um when when the immediate thing is like ah it will be a barrierless world for the disabled yeah yeah it's yeah. like yeah. you know what we could also do is make the actual world better. <laughs> yeah yeah right? do, you, um, I, I, do you yeah. find do you find as what well, like is there anything in the is there something uh, maybe offensive isn't the right word and maybe, maybe patronizing like (laughs) where, where, where like, where, where the suggestion, where the suggestion that, that, that V that 
and again, I don't know if this is exactly. Yeah, I'm not saying. I'm good. not saying that. I'm not saying that this is what you were saying, Brian. I'm not saying that this is what the industry is saying. You could put but words I feel in my like, mouth. I'm yeah. I feel I like, probably said it. I feel yeah. like there's a bit of a vibe of going, "Hey, let's. We're gonna make this world where like you don't have to be you." Yeah. Exactly. And and is that and, my, and is my that counter, shitty? Yeah, because who you are is fine, right? Being disabled right. is not a problem, right? Like I'm I'm very comfortable with the fact that I have a disability. And in some ways I'm I'm very proud of the fact that I'm disabled because um taking you back to a video game analogy, right? Like I didn't get to choose the difficulty of life mode, mm. right? But I got put on hard mode and I'm doing pretty fucking good considering. Mm-hmm. Right. That's so awesome. I, I have I got that I got that disabled high score shit going on where I'm trying to <laughs> I'm trying to break fucking records here. But yeah. we'll That's see. such a great way to put that. Hi, I'm Jesse Crookshank. Jesse Crookshank. I host the number one comedy podcast called Phone a Friend. Girl, let's phone a friend. Not only do I break down the biggest stories in pop culture with guests like Dan Levy and members of InSync, I do it with my own personal boy band singing jingles throughout because it's my show. It's your show, girl. New episodes of Phone a Friend. Yeah. Drop Thursdays wherever you get your podcasts. So work it, girl. Yeah, work it. Okay, that's enough. It's rare that we get the opportunity to to talk uh, video games on the podcast, which is like you know it's a, it's a it's a deep passion for the three for the four of us, obviously. Um, but uh, one thing that I would love to kind of pick your brain about, and something that I've I've found very interesting to kind of uh, just just keep my eye on over the last. I don't know. I mean, really, over the last like seven years since we started doing this podcast, um, especially in the last maybe four years where I, I feel like there's been a dedicated um, attempt at really making making really big shifts in a positive direction. And that is in like video game accessibility. So, you know, um, uh, for example, I know the Xbox uh, a couple of years ago came out with uh, this like accessible controller that is yeah. just like, it's, it's yeah. unlike any other controller I've ever seen. It's very yeah. cool. Um, what is, is your... Sailor, I think, is like blind gamer? Yeah, yeah, yeah blind gamer. Yeah, Sailor's very cool. Yeah, yeah he's what, great. adaptive controller is what That's it, yeah. yeah. What, what, are your, what are your thoughts on like on the on the push for like accessibility in, in AAA titles and like in, in and through like console use and stuff like that? What is what is your experience been like with that and and do you feel like it's um it's it's taking the steps forward that are that are actually useful for for say someone like you yeah so i i full disclosure i i do work in this space <laughs> so it's definitely a thing i am super passionate about and cool you know working on trying to make a, a career out of doing exactly that type of stuff um i sort of how do i let me just let me just plug a bunch of shit so yeah do it uh, I founded a, a company called Playability Consultancy. So I was doing some independent um, contract work where I would go in and offer accessibility um, feedback to developers. Um, and I sort of realized, like, I'm able to stop, uh, talk with pretty good authority about things within my own lived experience, right? So I have what I like to refer to as, like, strength and dexterity barriers, Right. Mm. So if a button configuration doesn't work, I say, oh, let's try and implement button remapping, which is a lot harder than that sentence makes it sound, but that type of stuff, right? 
Um, same with like chronic fatigue and that type of stuff. But what I wasn't able to do was if a developer asked something like, you know, hey, is this accessible to someone who's low vision or someone who's blind or colorblind, right? I would just sort of be quoting literature. Like, I don't fucking know, right? Like, <laughs> I can I can give you a pretty good guess, but I, I don't really truly know because it's not within my lived experience. So I kind of went, damn, wouldn't it be helpful if there was a team of people that sort of uh, covered the breadth of accessibility barriers within games so that you had someone who was low vision, who was blind, who was colorblind, right? Who was hard of hearing or deaf, who was able to offer their lived experience as well as expertise within those areas. And I went, shit, I'm going to have to make this, aren't I? Hmm. So, <laughs> so that's what I did, was I founded a company where um, we have uh, a series of team members who represent those different barrier areas and have lived experience and expertise and are able to offer developers feedback in those 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 different areas. So, yeah, and yeah, I, so I would love cool. to rifle uh, rifle through the the different areas there. I'm on the website now. Um, you've got yeah. number one, low vision and blindness. Yeah. Uh, number two, colorblind. Number three, hard of hearing uh, slash deaf. Uh, number four, strength and dexterity. Number five, cognitive, and number six, emotional. Most of those, I I think I can kind of uh, take a stab at what that what that would look like or what that would mean. Yeah. Um, but yeah. but uh, explain emotional to me. Sure. So also that list is a, like a gross oversimplification. <laughs> sure, this, sure. This shit's real complicated. You just <laughs> have to be able to explain it in a short form to be able to mm. pitch to, to have things get done. Mm. Um, so yeah, so emotional barriers is, is like traumas and triggers, right? Mm. So um, something may happen. There is a game called Grounded um, where you're like uh, almost like Honey, I Shrunk the Kids and turned into little tiny people and like go around and like, mm -hmm. you know, birds and spiders and shit attack you so um specific specifically with the spider part um they had something what they called an arachnophobia slider where mm. you were able to reduce the number of legs and eyes that spiders had within the game to hopefully not you know affect people as much who had that sort of fear oh, associated cool. with that. yeah um so there's stuff like that that exists um yeah so they've become these sort of Honestly, I think creepy floating blobs. Like it's, it's. <laughs> hopefully, it helps people, but it's fucking terrifying to me. So, um, that's so cool because, like, it, like I can see how that um, is beneficial not only to the player but to the company too. Because mm -hmm. then, yeah. then their company, then yeah. then their game is now playable to more people, which is that is you know, the goal is, of any company. Yeah, literally part of what we try and explain is like, hey, there are lots of disabled people, it turns out, and they have money and want to play your video game. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, right? totally. like this, There's a very capitalist side to this, where if you just want to look yeah. at it through a purely monetary lens, like, if if the work put in make more money, then technically... Yeah, is yeah. is Which, there is there a game in particular that comes to mind, like a AAA title that's come out in the in the recent history that you feel has really like crushed the accessibility factor. Like I know yep. the last of us Two. The last I, of us part two. Yep. Yeah, okay. Yeah. I remember, oh, I, I remember hearing a lot about the accessibility yeah. features in that game and, and how it was kind of like uh groundbreaking and, and, yep. and there was a lot of like hype around that. It, would you say that is the one? That is still the, the, the top game right now for, cool. for that benchmark. Absolutely. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's fully playable front to back for um, people who are totally blind Mm. Um, which is truly wow. amazing, right? It has like a wow. sonar system thing where you push a button and like a wave comes out from here and it'll like 
orientate your uh, character toward the items or enemies, right? Wow, and that's you can, so cool. Yeah, you can. It's it's amazing. There's a um, videos online of of um, different people with varying degrees of um, uh, vision that that play through the game, and it's it's fucking cool. It's, it's a really really cool. Yeah. Thing what are it's, it's interesting. Because like saying that, um, and like The Last of Us Part Two, I mean, like that's that's one of the best. Happens to be one of the best games, and, yeah. And it's, yeah. So it's probably not that much of a surprise <laughs> that like one of the best games in the you know ever is mm-hmm. also accessible to so many people to play. And the thing yeah. that I was saying about like you know it's interesting about like the capitalism side of this and like the 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 quote unquote making money yeah. part as a motivation. Like I mean. It shouldn't be weird to say that because disabled people should be able to participate in capitalism too. Like, I mean, it's like, yeah. we're, like we're, we're thinking about that and it's like, I mean, I'm curious what, like, obviously you have some feelings around that. So like, I, what, I yeah. do. I'm going to put on my left fucking hippie bullshit hat for a minute here. <laughs> um, so I don't know. I think a system where your worth as a person is valued on how much stuff you can make is inherently kind of broken. Uh, so like, I don't think it's great. Um, and I think it's, it's only kind of, kind of get worse as automation continues. Um, yeah. So I mean, but we can argue, we can argue like the imperfectness of the system in general, but the fact that like people are like, there's an, um, that like we, in those specific areas that there can be a quality of opportunity or at least everybody is being included or, thought to be included in these situations it's a, at least a step in the right direction yeah I, I will go back to my my old faithful i'm a dumbass uh comment so hey, that too. like <laughs> i don't fucking know but like i think there's definitely a way to um you know in, incorporate things like you know intersectionality which i know some people get real riled up about but you know inclusiveness and having people at the table with the lived experience to be able to help solve the problems that are actually affecting them while also shifting the capitalist crushing structure that i don't think works very well Mm -hmm. um how that's done i don't fucking know i'm not that smart right (laughs) um but that's that's a that's a thing that hopefully will get better. Maybe I don't know. Maybe I'm just naive enough to think it will. No, I th- I think you hit the nail on the head. Like in order to solve those problems of not including people, you need to include people to get their perspectives on how to do it better, though. Yeah, I I find, yeah, I I find when accessibility specifically decisions get made um you can sort of tell sometimes when they haven't talked to anyone who's disabled right mm-hmm. um where things will things will get made or designed or whatever and they don't always help help the people that actually use them or they could be done easier mm-hmm. or better or more efficient simply if you just had people with lived experience be part of those decision making processes Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I'm super biased in that because I am the disabled person yeah. and I'm yeah. just like, Hey, if you paid me and put me there, I bet this would be so much better. Yeah. Like, it, yeah, that does serve me, doesn't it's, it? It's interesting though, too. I'd like to, I just want to make one more point to that because I had this sort of experience with, um, um, I was, uh, volunteering and running the operations for the canoe kayak world championships this past summer here in Sick. Halifax. And, um, and it was interesting to sort of see, um, that the one of the priorities for the event was accessibility, and there mm-hmm. was no disabled person as a consultant in that. <laughs> and there was no money for that. 
Um, yep. But even in even in watching people try to solve some of these problems. But they were able to put it on the so, website that that was the priority, yeah. right? Right, exactly. Yeah. And, <laughs> yeah, exactly. But, but it's interesting because uh, like one of my responsibilities was transportation, and we were looking at... And this is an event that has um, para-athletes yeah. as part of the event, too. And there were buses that were accessible, and there were buses that were not accessible. Mm-hmm. And one of the challenges from the event perspective is that there actually are only so many accessible buses in yep. the city. Like we, I mean, yeah. we had every accessible bus that we could get and it still wasn't mm-hmm. enough. Yep. And so like, there are people who are trying to like, you know, solve, solve or not solve, but there are people who are trying to, you know, work with the situation that they have and it, finding yeah. that, that, yeah. that play, there's play not. The hand yeah. Yeah. And yeah. like, it really needs to change from the, the top, right? Like, mm. the, like, yep. I mean, how do you like? How do you address problems like yes. that? Yes, the the rules are fundamentally broken, and people try and fix them within the power that they have. But ultimately, the system is fucked. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. I think yeah. So, something that's been kind of brewing in my mind, which I think actually kind of which ends up playing kind of well off of that, but sort of goes back to the to talking about video games, and this is something that we've had many conversations about, which is where accessibility features get built into things not just video games, but anything, sidewalk design, whatever, like how that it, the, the, the impetus for making that change is accessibility for people who use wheelchairs or whatever Ah. they might deal with. But Mm -hmm. then it ends up being a benefit for absolutely everybody that uses it. And I'm curious specifically in video game, and maybe it was in last of us or any video game or any other example that you want to bring up with this, where that happens, where, that accessibility feature is is universally beneficial. Oh fuck! I'm sure I'd have a good example if I thought more about this. Um, yeah, I think they call that sometimes like the curb cut effect. Yes. Right, where they yeah. like they put curb cuts in, and then like people with strollers found it super helpful, or people with their luggage or whatever. Right. Right. Yeah. Um, and and yeah, I think that it's like a tenant of universal design as well, where it's mm-hmm. like if you just design the thing to be inclusive, it will inherently be better. Mm-hmm. Um, which I definitely ascribe to. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm trying to think of a game that that put in something. I, I think something um, like button remapping is mm-hmm. maybe a great example of this, yep. right? Where like um, I have such a fucking hard time pushing in thumbsticks. So you know, like if you're if you're playing a game and you're like, oh, I have a sniper rifle, and you push in the white thumbstick to like scope in, mm. right? Like I just can't do that. Um, which is really frustrating. Um, but people, you know, use it for all sorts of things where, I don't know, like in the, I think in like Destiny, there was a post I saw one time about someone remapping, like having to hold down both triggers because they like broke their arm or something and they couldn't play and they were all frustrated. So like they remapped it to a single button and then they could keep playing. Mm-hmm. So it's like, you know, that person's not what you would think of as like traditionally mm-hmm. disabled, but because they had a temporary injury, they found it incredibly helpful. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, like, yeah. Or like subtitles, right? You're on the train, yes. you want to yeah. fucking, you know, play something or listen to something and you're able to turn subtitles on. Like, yeah. The ubiquitousness of that, I think, is awesome. But like the, the fucking deaf community pushed for that for so long. Yeah. 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 Right? I mean, like, like for, for myself personally, like, I, I'm not colorblind. Um, but when I play a video game and there's like colorblind options, um, uh, Protonopia is is the setting that I always go with. 
And mm-hmm. and I don't do it because it helps me play better or anything like that. I do it because just like I just it look. just looks so much better. Like I just think yeah. it looks more vibrant. What does it I like, do? Um, it's like drop certain colors. Yeah. Or? So there's there's typically three different. I have them here: protonopia, uh, deuteranopia, and tritonopia. Um, so like protonopia uh, uh, is for people who are unable to perceive red light, resulting in red and greens looking murky, and so uh, uh, and and blues and yellows standing out. So it's like it alters the coloration, um, which which just gives it a different look. Mm-hmm. Uh, for like for myself, it just gives me a different look, and yeah. I like the way it looks. But for that person with colorblindness, it actually like. I'm- it makes them be able to see better. And know? when I take this, when I try, when I when I think about taking this kind of like out of the virtual world and into the and into the built environment, the built environment. Yeah, I think that's a good way to put that because I was actually looking for a word that wasn't the real world mm-hmm. because I heard Mark Zuckerberg recently talking about the real world versus the virtual world and being kind of like him feeling pretty contentious with the idea that the virtual world isn't real. Yeah. Um, and uh, but but what I'm thinking about, like when you say talk about buses and you go. You know, we ran this event and, you know, we got our hands on all the accessible buses that we could, but that wasn't enough. And it's like, well, what if, and, you know, buses are a fucking hard example because I bet most of the buses are from, are like 40 years old. Dude, they Um, suck. And they suck. It sucked. But in like a future (laughs) where all the buses are bussing, sort of new and definitely definitely (laughs) bussing, that like there are features. I'm hip. There are features, there are accessibility features built into transportation, like a like a f- more futuristic, newer mm. version there of the bus. There shouldn't be accessible so, buses and not accessible right, buses. Right, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Buses. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> the and level then, above that in my brain is just not having to have a vehicle at all to be able to commute, <laughs> right? So yeah. you build walkable cities or you build them structurally so that you're not having to rely on car infrastructure in order to travel. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But that's I'm I'm curious, Alex, in terms of um like to come back to the the like audit that you that your um uh consulting firm does for these games, like like what um what are the typical like are there a set of like typical sort of problems that you you find that a lot of game designers overlook? Yeah. So a lot of it is text size. A lot of it is text size. So having subtitles that are very small, not legible, not readable, is super common. Um, in my personal lived experience, having button remapping is super helpful. You know, if you have a game on PC, um, having it be playable by a controller and a mouse and keyboard, mm. um, having that flexibility and controls can be super helpful. Um, and again, it's one of those things where like maybe someone just doesn't own a controller for their PC and that just opens up your market again, right? So there's mm-hmm. like that tangential sort of helpful part to it as well. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, lots of text size, lots mm-hmm. of text size. Yeah. And don't you hate um, it when you're playing a game that has subtitles, but the subtitles don't have like a, uh, like a, like a, like blocking behind it, yes, and then the, mm. and then the, yes. it, it, and it blends with the environment, mm. and you're like, yes. I can't even fucking read contrast, that. contrast, yeah. contrast, yeah. yes, absolutely, a hundred percent, yes. I uh, I we're we're kind of we're we're approaching our time here, but uh, before we before we get there, one thing that I, I would like to kind of talk to you about is, um, you know, the last time we spoke to you, the world was uh, somewhat normal, <laughs> and then uh, and then all all hell broke loose. Yep. Um, uh, I know that uh, I know that COVID was. Um, a challenge for everybody, but in particular, uh, the challenges faced by folks with uh, with physical disabilities um, definitely definitely posed a, a really big challenge. Uh, I know that 
you know, uh, as someone who lives with SMA type two, um, social isolation is, you know, that, that it, 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 it exists even without the, 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 you know, living in a realm of, of, of a a global pandemic. Um, what was COVID like for you and, and how did you manage and, and, you know, what, what's it looking like now in comparison to those earlier days? Yeah, it's really interesting. Um, where like, when lockdown happened, um, I know lots of people um, went a little bit stir crazy, um, and that just wasn't a thing I experienced. I just sort of went, "Oh, winter came early, cool." <laughs> right? Like, um, I, I don't know if this is um, if other people with disabilities experienced a similar thing, um, but it really wasn't that hard to like. It was like, "Oh, I'm just doing the thing where I don't leave the house." And that's mm. not that abnormal, mm. right? Like, like you were um, more prepared than, mm-hmm. than I don't know about more prepared, but just uh, just not not as affected in that way, right? right. Um, I definitely had struggles with like, so I I have like personal um, a care team that helps with my um, daily living stuff, so like getting me out of bed, helping mm-hmm. me make food, shower, that type of thing, um, and I had a number of them, you know, quit without notice because they weren't, you know feeling safe in terms of Mm. commuting and you know they had families and that type of thing which made total sense um but you know that that crunch sucked yeah (laughs) because if because if all your staff sort of uh peace out uh you know i I had to figure that out Mm. um so that was that was definitely rough in that way um but the actual like yeah i feel like what some people may have experienced with that social isolation I think a lot of, and maybe I'm generalizing, but I think a lot of disabled people experience that fairly regularly, mm, right? Mm-hmm. Of like not being able to um, get out and do things and, and necessarily have the the energy or the means to be able to do that, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so all you all you able bodies feel <laughs> guilt. Alex, I mean, I feel like uh, there's we we were literally just scratching the surface here. I feel like we could record with you for um, for sure for fucking yeah. hours. Uh, I I you know I should probably wait to say this when when we're off air, but I hope that you would. Uh, you would be down to do this again uh, in in you know sometime soon just to just to pick your brain more about uh, you your life uh, the work that you do this this is uh, it's just such a treat we love having you on the show I love the video game track we went yeah through. it was great I did not yeah. expect it to go that long I was looking I looked at the time and I went holy fuck we've been talking about this for like forty minutes this is amazing yeah no. um, they're real they're real video games real good I don't know what to tell you man. yeah they're great they're you great so funny is when you said we're getting closer to wrapping I was like what the yeah fuck? I know and I know I, like I haven't had that feeling in a long. <laughs> Time, time flew by. Uh, Alex, thank you, dude. Thanks for uh, thanks for coming on the show again. Uh, we look forward to having you on the show again in the future. Sure. And uh, and how can people um, you know plug away? How can people find uh, you know the work that you do? If if people are interested more in uh, in the you know the video game space that you work in, or or maybe anything personal that's coming up for you, just just give yourself a plug. Sure. So if you're a human that uh, likes to play video games. Um, I'm helping develop a game called Sacre Bleu, uh, S-A-C-R-E-B-L-E-U. Uh, and if you're uh, able to go wishlist that on Steam, that would be lovely. And I'm sure it would make me look good to my boss. So thanks. Uh, <laughs> and go. if you're a human that makes video games, uh, feel free to check out Playability, our consulting group, which is play-ability.net. <laughs> 
Well, thank you so much again. Uh, can't wait to uh, to talk to you again in the future, Alex. And uh, and take care, buddy. Awesome. Thanks, y'all. Well, there you go, folks. Hope you enjoyed that conversation. As always, we are coming at you Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays. And if you are a fan of the podcast and you want to support the podcast, there's a number of ways you can do that. First of all, you can leave a rating or a review on Apple Podcasts. We love reading them. You can simply rate the podcast on the Spotify mobile app, if that's where you're listening. Or if you want to join the conversation, hop on over to our Discord. The link is in the show notes of this episode. And uh, we have a lovely little community over there of sickos and non-sickos all hanging out, chatting. And uh, hey, you could even help produce the podcast over there if you want. You can, again, find that link in the show notes below. Sick Boy Podcast is produced and co-hosted by myself, Jeremy Saunders, Taylor McGilvery, and Brian Stever. The show is managed by Jeffrey Lonis over at Talent Bureau. The sound design of this episode is brought to you by Donovan the CPAP Morgan. And, of course, the theme music is from the band Take Part. That is it for this week. I'm Jeremy, and this is Sick Boy. For more CBC Podcasts, go to cbc.ca slash podcasts.